Welcome to the Agency Profit Podcast, a show dedicated to going deep space on agency operations, which is just as nerdy as it sounds. I'm your host, Marcel Petipoff. I'm the CEO of Parakeeto, a firm that helps digital and creative agencies measure and improve their profitability. Join me as I interview some of the smartest thought leaders and agency owners in our space and go deep into operations and metrics and all the other things you need to get right so you can spend less time worrying about operations and more time executing on your vision. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Agency Profit Podcast. I am joined today by the founder of Hamilton Ray, your outsourced admin, which brings professional remote administrative support to agencies all over the world. So with that, thank you for joining us today, Amanda Hamilton. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here because we're talking about uh, something that has been transformative for me and I think could be transformative for a lot of the folks mm-hmm. that are listening who may today believe that hiring assistance to help take administrative tasks off their plate is out of reach for them. And so I'm really, really uh, excited for today's chat. But before we get into all of that, Amanda, I'd like to give you a chance to, in your own words, share what you do and who you serve. Yeah. So how I quickly like to describe it is a fractional executive assistant solution for businesses, Um, you know, allowing people to have like our vision is to allow every size business to have access to a professional executive assistant. And so that's truly what we do and our bread and butter. I love it. And so it's funny because I just this week had a friend uh, in one of these uh, mastermind groups that I'm in um, post and say, hey, like I'm thinking about hiring an assistant and I'm just not sure, you know, this is a question that gets posted in that group all the time, but he had this belief that like, should I wait until, you know, we're at a million, two million in revenue? And I was like, that's way too late. Like I hired my first assistant when we were barely doing 10K a month because I just started with 10, 15, 20 hours a week, but man, did it ever make a big difference. So um, before we get into all of that, I'm really curious, how did you get into this space in the first place? What led you to starting this, this company for this particular problem? Yeah, I'll give a little backstory and um, kind of share how it then took me into a place. And it's so funny to talk about this story because it sometimes feels like a completely different life that I was living (laughs) where I am today. Um, So I worked in corporate retail for 10 years. And in 2018, the end of 2018, I said, okay, I need a change. I was kind of getting into a burnout phase. I also think I had hit that like seven to 10 year itch of like, all right, I need something new. I had, I had worked in the same organization, same team for 10 years out of college. And so I left my (laughs) job and which I laugh because I get that itch at like three years. (laughs) I was going to say 10 years is like unknown anymore, you know? Um, but I, there's definitely loyalty and not that people aren't loyal when you're jumping around, but I had a really hard time leaving. I almost think it might've been changed. I don't, I'm not sure what it was, but I loved my team. I was just in a burnout phase and I was like, I need to get out. So I left my job. I moved from Columbus, Ohio to Cleveland, Ohio, and I didn't have another job. And so I started to kind of play around with things. Um, In order to pay my mortgage, I was working at the front desk of an Orange Theory. I was a stitch fix stylist and all of these things were, you know, part-time remote. And one of the jobs I started doing is I was a virtual assistant with this agency. And so when I was doing that, I, I loved this idea of remote work. It was so cool. It was so unknown to me of 
living and working from anywhere. And this digital nomad lifestyle was so intriguing. And so I started to, so anyway, I was working there for a little bit. I loved it. Um, I loved that concept of it. But the thing that I did not like so much was it felt very task heavy. And so it was, it was a lot of, you know, hey, do this or hey, do that. And it wasn't allowing me to really be solution oriented, kind of being more of like a team player that I was used to in my corporate life. And so as I was doing that, it made me realize, um, hey, I think that there's something that I could do here differently. And so I started working with a couple of clients on my own. And I kept saying to my sister, why do I like this so much better? And she's like, well, think about it. And I'm like, I'm solution oriented. I'm like a part of their team. And so that's truly what sparked me starting this business of, all right, I can do this, but I can do it a lot differently and really provide more of that executive assistant support to businesses that, you know, the president of Toyota has, and you know, um, managing their calendar, managing their inbox, all these different things, providing that level of service to any size business. And so that's really where I got started and kind of started building from there. And we've quickly expanded. Very cool. And so that leads me to, I guess, my next question, which is what are some of the big misconceptions that you run up against when you talk to people about hiring an assistant. What are some of the beliefs that people have about this that you find hold them back from potentially accessing all of the upside that's available to them in starting to buy back time on some of these types of things that they're probably being held back doing today, spending a lot of extra hours doing? Yeah, I think one thing is the, the cost can be a little scary to people, especially if you're just starting out or if you've never worked with somebody before. That is one thing, and I, I don't think that people immediately see the value until you start working with them, and then you're a month in, and you're like, how did I survive without them before? Um, so I think that that's one piece of it. I also think that especially, you know, if you're just starting a business um, or if you've never you know, had a team that you've led before, it can be a little scary to delegate. And so it's really, it's like that trust piece mm -hmm. that if you don't know somebody super well, initially, it's like building that trust and building that legwork and then saying, okay, yeah, I can give these things to somebody else. It doesn't have to be done by me because especially when you're first starting out, you think, well, nobody can do it as well as I can. <laughs> and so I think that that's like a, a misconception of of people. There's a lot of things that, you know, anybody can take on. It's really about how can you focus on what you're best at and what your like zone of genius is, if you ask me. Yeah. I mean, those are all the kind of same things that even having, like I'm in networks where it's weird if you don't have an assistant, like I have a lot of friends that have assistants and had them long before I did. And so even with that level of exposure, I still ran up against exactly those things. Like I have to hire somebody full time and I can't afford it. Um, I like, how am I possibly going to give this person access to my email and my calendar? Like that just seems like terribly risky. How is that ever going to happen? How is this person ever going to respond to my, you know, my colleagues, my friends, my family, and like use the right voice and the right tone and like all of these things. It just seemed outlandish to me. But the thing that allowed me to kind of keep pushing forward was all of this proof that it could be done because everybody around me was doing it. Um, but even still, I had those same fears. So I can only imagine that folks that, you know, to them, this isn't a normal thing, or maybe they haven't seen it a whole lot. They, it would seem far-fetched. So with that in mind, when should agency owners specifically start to consider this as an option for them? 
Yeah, I think, honestly, if it's something that you can do right in the beginning, I think it's the best. Um, or just when you're busy enough that you're starting to feel a little bit stretched, um, not too stretched, because when you're too stretched, you can't then commit the necessary amount of time to train somebody and really um, build that rapport with them so that they can learn your voice, et cetera. Um, but I think as early as possible, just because the more that you can shift off of your plate onto somebody else's workload. Also, I think there is a conception or a, um, a view of if you have an assistant, you typically look bigger, right? And so I think as you're building a business, if you have that, people might look at you differently as well. So I always say like, start as early as you can, as early as you can afford it. Um, it'll help you not only, you know, find more time to focus on what you can do better, but there is a funny thing where, oh, wow, you have an assistant? They must be doing really well, you know? <laughs> It's so funny you say that because uh, to just get on my soapbox for a minute here, there was a period of time between assistants because I had one that transitioned out and we had to transition out of Linux. So there's this period of time where I didn't have one. And so I would just write emails as a fake assistant because I wanted <laughs> to maintain the posture that it gave me when people were like requesting meters and stuff because you're totally right. It does give you this different level of authority. Um, I do have a legitimate assistant now though. So anyone that's emailing <laughs> me like that's, that's a thing. Um, but I, you know, it's, one of the things that I think is particularly advantageous for agency owners specifically is generally, generally, you know that you can go deploy your time for X amount of dollars per hour, right? So let's say your standard rate is $150, $200 per hour as a consultant. It's like the math is really simple. If you can buy an administrative assistance hour for $20, then you just bought back, you know, like for one hour that you work on client work, you can buy 10 hours of your time back. Um, and I, I know for myself, I, it wasn't until I really understood that, that I was like, oh shit, yeah, that's a real opportunity. And then the next hurdle I had to get over was like, not really understanding how much of my time was going to all the things that an assistant can take care of for me. So I guess that's the next thing is what are some of the typical things that assistants are taking care of? And then I will, will share my anecdote about like how I had to reframe or how I, I had to start tracking time to realize like how much of an impact on my life those things were having when I got to the point exactly where you described where I was getting really stretched. I was like terribly stretched. I waited too long, but I was still able to get through it. Um, so funny, I have to just go back about you writing emails as your assistant because you are not the first person that has told me that before, which I just think <laughs> is absolutely incredible. Um, so I applaud you for that. Um, and then what I would say in terms of outsourcing, first and foremost is I, I personally don't have an assistant at this point just because I love the work. So, and it really allows me to um, expand how to best like manage my team in that way. But how I look at outsourcing things, and this goes to an assistant, it, it goes to your point of whatever I can't do or I don't do well, or it's going to take me too much time, I'm going to give to somebody else. Like, mowing my lawn, you know, like yard work, like things that I could then be spending more time working on my business is really going to do that for me. And so I think that that kind of goes hand in hand with any part of your life and the assistant being such a big piece of that. It's like, what can you do to get that work off your plate? That's not going to serve you. So in related to what most people hand off, I would say initially, first and foremost, we always, always take on calendar. Calendar is one of the easiest things to do. It's funny because a lot of people see it as such 
um, a big task that nobody can understand. Well, I don't know how they could know what they can move. And, and the fun thing is we have a lot of really cool tools that we've built along the way that we can actually do it and we can learn it in a matter of a week and we can take it on quickly. So um, that's first and foremost, huge. And if you have a really busy calendar, calendar management can release anywhere from like three to five hours a week, give or take. Um, mm. We also uh, provide a lot of solutions for wider leadership teams. So not just like one individual executive, we might be servicing three to eight different leaders within an organization. And where there's a lot of value with that, especially as it relates to calendar is if you have caught two admins and you're they're connected and managing six people's calendars, they're the ones that are talking back and forth of, oh, I can move this over here to this time to accommodate this urgent meeting. And there's a lot of like synergy that can happen. And so it's, it allows them the entire leadership team to level up um, and not be being like bogged down with that type of work. Um, so that's one thing I would say, I always suggest to just take off your plate. From there, inbox management's another one. Some people are a little funny about inbox management, but I think that that can be extremely helpful, especially if you're receiving hundreds of emails a day. It's it's not even about responding on them. It's about flagging the urgent ones, deleting the spam, just the little things that take up a little bit of time. And the one thing I always suggest to people is because I hear a lot of, well, that only takes me a minute or two here and there. Well, when you start to think about it and kind of what you were saying about tracking time to really figure out what that looks like, one to two minutes really can add up over the course of a day. And so if you can release that type of work, think about all the other work and yeah. client support and new business that you can take in um, by just allowing somebody else to take on those couple of minutes. Do you want some free resources to help you measure and improve your profitability? If you do, then I want to tell you about our agency profitability toolkit, which you can grab absolutely free in the show notes or by heading to parakeeto.com forward slash toolkit. It's packed with training videos, cheat sheets, templates, and all kinds of other great resources to help you start measuring and improving the essential metrics that are going to drive better profitability in your business. And it's helped thousands of other agencies around the world do the same. So I want to encourage you to go and grab a copy of that. And if you'd rather get in the fast lane and just have our team of experts guide you through the process of measuring and improving your profitability, then I want to encourage you to apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. And with that, I want to thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the episode and I'll let you get back to it. Mm -hmm. So I want to speak to my personal experience with this because I think it's, it's very relevant to exactly what you just shared. Calendar and inbox management were at the top of the list. And then there was some bookkeeping stuff. And then there was actually just like some, some sales operation stuff that we were able to tack on, like all kinds of other little things um, that were super, super helpful. But the way that this kind of played out for me was I got to a place where I was like, I have to do something about this when we started getting very busy with sales calls and we were also busy with client work. And at the time I was still very much involved in both. And so my days would start, I'd have a little bit of time in the morning to actually like do tasks. And then my zoom marathon would start <laughs> around 10, 11 AM and it wouldn't end until about six. And there was not any room really in between those calls for anything other than using the washroom, trying to, you know, not, put myself in a position where I had to hit my macros in two hours at the end of the day, which still ended up happening, which was horrible. It's really sucks eating that much before bed. And the problem is I would get to the end of my, you know, zoom marathon. It's 6 PM. 
And all of these tasks that take a minute or two would stack up throughout the day. So then I would be at my desk from six till eight, nine, 10 PM doing all of these 10 minute tasks, like the 30 of them, like follow up on the sales call, add notes to this uh, thing in the CRM, schedule a thing to follow up with this person in three weeks, send the sales deck to this person, respond to this email. And that's when I really realized because I was forced to do them in one go, how much time I was spending on all these little things. And when I was able to hire an assistant to buy back all that stuff, it got done faster. Fewer things would slip through the cracks. And I got my evenings back, which when you, it like the difference between ending work at 7 p.m. when you, and I go to bed at nine because I get up at five. So like if I was finishing work at nine and going straight to bed, that sucks. I have no life, right? But if I finish work at eight, I now have an hour. If I finish work at seven, I have two hours like the impact was so exponential. And so I think I was in this position where like, I just felt it and it was like a perfect storm. And prior to hiring the assistant, I was forced to design my calendar. And so transitioning calendar, man, like we already had rules and stuff set up for that, which are things that generally you want to work through when you hire an assistant. But that was, you know, I think I was well positioned to immediately realize the value because it was like, oh shit. Yeah. I really do spend two, three hours a day on this stuff. I just never realized it before because I could sprinkle it throughout the day. And when I couldn't do it anymore, I was like, wow, <laughs> this is substantial. Yeah, absolutely. It can really, especially when you are, yeah, ends where you're like spending your entire evening and it's, it's things that you can't not do, <laughs> you know? Um, I, one thing I would say too, anytime you can create an operational process or a workflow for something, that is something that should be handed off. Um, if it can be documented and it can be after this type of call, this document should be sent to them and this email and then follow up with them three days later, anything that can be standardized and operationalized like that, I always say just hand it off, you know? Um, and maybe it yeah. takes a month until somebody, you know, really builds trust and you feel comfortable doing that. But that to me is a no brainer. <laughs> Absolutely. And then for all the stuff that's kind of nuanced, I use an app called Voxer on my phone, voice notes, voice memos, all kinds of different things. But it's as easy as just saying, hey, you know, this was a bit of a weird call. The person asked for this thing. Can you do that? Um, and yeah, it's just incredible. It is really incredible. It's life-changing. It's like the matrix, red pill, blue pill. Once you, <laughs> once you know what it's like to have a vision and you never go back. So you could tell I'm a big advocate for this concept. Now I want to get to the next part, which is, I know there's lots of other people because thankfully there are a lot of people talking about this and trying to encourage entrepreneurs to buy back their time, but doing it is hard and scary for a lot of the reasons that we've talked about. What are some of the mistakes that you see people make when they try to do this for the first time on their own? I think the biggest mistake that I see is people thinking that, um, and while I think that many admins and my team at the top of the list are unicorns, you know, people not committing the appropriate amount of time and resources in the beginning to get the assistant or admin set up on the right foot. A lot of times I've seen, and this is where, you know, we haven't had many failed client relationships in my tenure with, within my organization, but every time we have a client that doesn't stick around as long as we have clients right now that have been with us for almost three years. And when we have clients that kind of move on faster than we would intend, we always reflect and say, what was it that we might have not done correctly and how can we improve it in the future? We've really done a lot from our side to improve, but then we also on the flip side say, 
can't all just be us. What are the things that maybe we would train a new client to do on their side? And I would say time and time again, it's that they don't commit the time. And that is the biggest thing. It's like you you have to go into it as like a, a partnership if you want to see the like positive end result. And if you're not willing to do that, you're likely not going to get as much bang for your buck as you can um, unless you're willing to be a truly a partner. Yeah, this has certainly been my experience. And it's not a it's not actually a very large volume of time in my experience. It's 15, 30 mm-hmm. minute check-ins every day for the first little while. And that's, I think the space where we started filling on all the little gaps of like, here's three emails that I'm not sure how to respond to. And then we would write the response together. And then all of the nuances, like 80% of it is you can do and process the other 20%. It's, it's that kind of stuff. Um, that was my experience for sure. And I, I could certainly attest to that. Um, what are some of the other mistakes that you see them make in terms of like how they try to source this person? What kind of qualifications they're looking for? Compensation, expectations, any other things to watch out for if somebody's going to go try to do this for the first time? Yeah, um, I would say if you're looking for somebody that's truly kind of more of like a doer, um, that that's good and all, but you have to make sure you're compensating people appropriately. Um, and so I would say you kind of pay what you get for. So a lot of times I remember I was talking to somebody I'd met a long time ago and she was saying to me, well, my admin, she doesn't act like you do. And I'm like, well, how much are you paying her? She's like, well, $14 an hour. And I said, well, hold up. You, you can't expect, (laughs) somebody that would be getting paid like 40, $50 an hour and operating at 14. And so I think that that's one thing. It's like, there's a misconception that admins can truly drive a business and drive profitability, but it's about like finding the right person. So I think that that's one thing is making sure that you're finding somebody that you're willing to pay. Um, That's first and foremost. I think that goes for any role though, right? And you're kind of, any role within an organization. Um, second of all, I would say making sure you're doing a really healthy vetting process um, and asking right, the right questions. Um, I have definitely had some situations in the past where we have thought we had fully vetted people and they kind of, I always use the term bamboozled us. And so one thing I, I would say is if you can't afford to hire an agency like ours, it is really healthy because we do such a strong vetting process. We have multiple people doing vetting. We also have really um, significant training, not only on like the team member side, but also the client side. So if if you can work with an agency like ours, I highly suggest it just because we do all that for you. Um, And so that's just my two cents. Uh, But I would say making sure that you're really fully vetting somebody and not just going off of their resume. I completely agree. Um, and you know, to, to kind of support what you're saying, like, just so everyone has the context, I source an assistant directly, but what we had to do in order to get good outputs from that process, first of all, we went to Upwork, which when you post an admin assistant job on Upwork, the floodgates are going to open. We got hundreds of applicants for this job because everybody on Upwork, um, can do, uh, an executive assistant job, or at least that's, that's what they'll tell you. And one of the really, really important things that we did is we created a test project to filter out the applicants, but it took time to design that test project, review those test projects and vet the people. And one of the other things that we did, although I think this is a really, really key trick for any, um, kind of, if you're trying to source somebody on 
a platform like that, the last line of the job post was, if you're interested in this role, submit a one minute video on your cover letter explaining why you want to do it. Because I knew that I'm not a detail oriented person. My assistant had to be. <laughs> and so I needed somebody who read every last line of the job posting and actually followed the instructions to a T. And so that was helpful because it took the hundreds of applicants and filtered that list down significantly. But there was a fairly big lift in the vetting process afterwards. And if you're in a position where you don't have any additional time, like I was lucky that my fiance is a consultant. And so I could just like hire her to design the test project. And, you know, I was able to like throw a little bit of money at the problem. Otherwise I would probably would not have had the time or energy to properly go through that process. And I don't think I would have gotten a good outcome the way that I did. So to your point in the short term, like just find somebody who knows what they're doing to take the pressure off, but make sure you do a proper vetting process because this is a critically important role. And that person's going to be communicating on your behalf. And, um, yeah, that was certainly the experience for me. The vetting process was was critically important. I would say too, um, I want, I've used a couple of softwares. There are a couple of softwares that will do assessments for you. Um, and they have general administrative executive assistant assessments, which I have found a lot of value in those. But even taking just general questions of work that you'd be having somebody do, and to your point, adding that into the interview application is definitely great. I did that in the beginning where I had, Hey, if you were choosing um, a time zone for this person, this person, this person, what time zone would you choose and see if they were able to like truly think through from an executive assistance perspective of, Oh, I would choose this one because it's the most mutually beneficial for all three people. Um, and so I asked a lot of those questions in the vetting process. And to your point, you can easily get submissions where people don't even answer the questions and you're like, all oh, right, well, those people are immediately out the door and kind of moving on to the next. So it definitely goes back to that detail oriented, making sure that you're finding someone like that. So that helps. Yes. <laughs> I love it. So for those that are listening that maybe um, have drank enough of our Kool-Aid here to say, hey, maybe <laughs> I should start thinking about buying back some of the that time so that I can do more client work, earn more money for the business, sell more stuff, or maybe just... I don't know, have a life outside of work, which, uh, you know, ebbs and flows as entrepreneurs, we, it, it happens to the best of us. What, uh, final advice do you have for them? I would say time is your most valuable asset and it's something that you're never going to get back. And so really evaluating what that looks like for you and, um, is so, so important to your point, getting back time with friends, family, or just your business. And, um, but from there, I would say, Find an executive assistant that can truly not only benefit you, but benefit your business and make sure that it's the right fit with culturally as well as um, personality. I think it fits are always, always key. I love it. So with all of that, Amanda, if people want to follow you and what you're doing and consume more of the content that you're creating, where should they go and find you on the internet? Yeah. So it's Hamilton Ray. That's R-A-Y-E.com. We are on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. All right. So we will have links to all of that in the show notes for those of you that are listening that want to check out what Amanda's doing at Hamilton Ray. And with that, Amanda, thank you so much for making the time for us today. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you've ever found yourself thinking, man, I get so much value from this podcast. I wish there was something I could do to return the favor. Well, today's your lucky day because you can leave us a review wherever you're listening to this. And it is incredibly helpful. Of course, if you haven't grabbed a free copy of the Agency Profit Toolkit, 
go and get that. It's got tons of free resources to help you improve your profitability. If you're looking to get in the fast lane and get help from experts to improve your profitability and measure your most important metrics, then apply for a consultation at parakeeta.com. We'd love to chat with you and figure out how we can help. With all of that, thank you so much for being a listener and we will see you on the next episode.